chapter twenty three of the pilot by james fenimore cooper this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty three whilst vengeance in the lurid air lifts her red arm exposed and bare who fear this ghastly train can see and look not madly wild like thee collins it is certain that tom coffin had devised no settled plan of operations when he issued from the apartment of borough if we accept a most resolute determination to make the best of his way to the aerial and to share her fate let it be either to sink or swim but this was a resolution much easier formed by the honest seaman than executed in his present situation he would have found it less difficult to extricate a vessel from the dangerous shoals of the devil's grip than to thread the mazes of the labyrinth of passages galleries and apartments in which he found himself involved he remembered as he expressed it to himself in a low soliloquy to have run into a narrow passage from the main channel but whether he had sheered to the starboard or larboard hand was a material fact that had entirely escaped his memory tom was in that part of the building that colonel howard had designated as the cloisters in which luckily for him he was but little liable to encounter any foe the room occupied by borough being the only one in the entire wing that was not exclusively devoted to the service of the ladies the circumstance of the soldiers being permitted to invade this sanctuary was owing to the necessity on the part of colonel howard of placing either griffith manual or the recruiting officer in the vicinity of his wards or of subjecting his prisoners to a treatment that the veteran would have thought unworthy of his name and character this recent change in the quarters of borough operated doubly to the advantage of tom by lessening the chance of the speedy release of his uneasy captive as well as by diminishing his own danger of the former circumstance he was however not aware and the consideration of the latter was a sort of reflection to which the coxswain was in no degree addicted following necessarily the line of the wall he soon emerged from the dark and narrow passage in which he had first found himself and entered the principal gallery that communicated with all the lower apartments of that wing as well as with the main body of the edifice an open door through which a strong light was glaring at a distant end of this gallery instantly caught his eye and the old seaman had not advanced many steps towards it before he discovered that he was approaching the very room which had so much excited his curiosity and by the identical passage through which he had entered the abbey to turn and retrace his steps was the most obvious course for any man to take who felt anxious to escape but the sounds of high conviviality bursting from the cheerful apartment among which the coxswain thought he distinguished the name of griffith determined tom to advance and reconnoitre the scene more closely the reader will anticipate that when he paused in the shadow the doubting old seaman stood once more near the threshold which he had so lately crossed when conducted to the room of borough 
the seat of that gentleman was now occupied by dillon and colonel howard had resumed his wonted station at the foot of the table the noise was chiefly made by the latter who had evidently been enjoying a more minute relation of the means by which his kinsman had entrapped his unwary enemy a noble ruse cried the veteran as tom assumed his post in ambush a most noble and ingenious ruse and such a one as would have baffled caesar he must have been a cunning dog that caesar but i do think kit you would have been too much for him hang me if i don't think you would have puzzled wolf himself had you held quebec instead of montcalm ah boy we want you in the colonies with the ermine over your shoulders such men as you cousin christopher are sadly sadly wanted there to defend his majesty's rights indeed dear sir your partiality gives me credit for qualities i do not possess said dillon dropping his eyes perhaps with a feeling of conscious unworthiness but with an air of much humility the little justifiable artifice ay there lies the beauty of the transaction interrupted the colonel shoving the bottle from him with the free open air of a man who never harboured disguise you told no lie no mean deception that any dog however base and unworthy might invent but you practised a neat a military uh uh yes a classical deception on your enemy a classical deception that is the very term for it such a deception as pompey or mark antony or or you know those old fellows names better than i do kit but name the cleverest fellow that ever lived in greece or rome and i shall say he is a dunce compared to you twas a real spartan trick both simple and honest it was extremely fortunate for dillon that the animation of his aged kinsman kept his head and body in such constant motion during this apostrophe as to intercept the aim that the coxswain was deliberately taking at his head with one of burrowcliffe's pistols and perhaps the sense of shame which induced him to sink his face on his hands was another means of saving his life by giving the indignant old seaman time for reflection but you have not spoken of the lady said dillon after a moment's pause i should hope they have borne the alarm of the day like kinswomen of the family of howard the colonel glanced his eyes around him as if to assure himself they were alone and dropped his voice as he answered ah kit they have come too since this rebel scoundrel griffith has been brought into the abbey we were favoured with the company of even miss howard in the dining-room to-day there was a good deal of dear uncleing and fears that my life might be exposed by the quarrels and skirmishes of these desperadoes who have landed as if an old fellow who served through the whole war from fifty six to sixty three was afraid to let his nose smell gunpowder any more than if it were snuff but it will be a hard matter to wheedle an old soldier out of his allegiance this griffith goes to the tower at least mr dillon it would be advisable to commit his person to the civil authority without delay to the constable of the tower the earl cornwallis a good and loyal nobleman who is at this moment fighting the rebels in my own native province christopher interrupted the colonel that will be what i call retributive justice but continued the veteran rising with an air of gentlemanly dignity it will not do to permit even the constable of the tower of london to surpass the master of st ruth in hospitality and kindness to his prisoners i have ordered suitable refreshments to their apartments and it is incumbent on me to see that my commands have been properly obeyed 
arrangements must also be made for the reception of this captain barnstable who will doubtless soon be here within the hour at farthest said dylan looking uneasily at his watch we must be stirring boy continued the colonel moving towards the door that led to the apartments of his prisoners but there is a courtesy due to the ladies as well as to those unfortunate violators of the laws go christopher convey my kindest wishes to cecilia she don't deserve them the obstinate vixen but then she is my brother harry's child and while there you arch-dog plead your own cause mark antony was a fool to you at a ruse and yet mark was one of your successful suitors too there was that queen of the pyramids the door closed on the excited veteran at these words and dylan was left standing by himself at the side of the table musing as if in doubt whether to venture on the step that his kinsman had proposed or not the greater part of the preceding discourse was unintelligible to the coxswain who had waited its termination with extraordinary patience in hopes he might obtain some information that he could render of service to the captives before he had time to decide on what was now best for him to do dylan suddenly determined to venture himself into the cloisters and swallowing a couple of glasses of wine in a breath he passed the hesitating coxswain who was concealed by the opening door so closely as to brush his person and moved down the gallery with those rapid strides which men who act under the impulse of forced resolutions are very apt to assume as if to conceal their weakness from themselves tom hesitated no longer but aiding the impulse given to the door by dylan as he passed so as to darken the passage he followed the sounds of the other's footsteps while he trod in the manner already described the stone pavement of the gallery dylan paused an instant at the turning that led to the room of burrowcliffe but whether irresolute which way to urge his steps or listening to the incautious and heavy tread of the coxswain is not known if the latter he mistook them for the echoes of his own footsteps and moved forward again without making any discovery the light tap which dylan gave on the door of the withdrawing-room of the cloisters was answered by the soft voice of cecilia howard herself who bid the applicant enter there was a slight confusion evident in the manner of the gentleman as he complied with the bidding and in its hesitancy the door was for an instant neglected i come miss howard said dylan by the commands of your uncle and permit me to add by my own may heaven shield us exclaimed cecilia clasping her hands in affright and rising involuntarily from her couch are we too to be imprisoned and murdered surely miss howard will not impute to me dylan paused observing that the wild looks not only of cecilia but of catherine and alice dunscombe also were directed at some other object and turning to his manifest terror he beheld the gigantic frame of the coxswain surmounted by an iron visage fixed in settled hostility in possession of the only passage from the apartment if there is murder to be done said tom after surveying the astonished group with a stern eye it's as likely this here liar will be the one to do it as another but you have nothing to fear from a man who has followed the seas too long and has grappled with too many monsters both fish and flesh not to know how to treat a helpless woman none who know him will say that thomas coffin ever used uncivil language or unseamanlike conduct to any of his mother's kind coffin exclaimed catherine advancing with a more confident air from the corner into which tara had driven her with her companions i coffin continued the old sailor his grim features gradually relaxing as he gazed on her bright looks tis a solemn word but it's a word that passes over the shoals among the islands and along the cape oftener than any other my father was a coffin and my mother was a joy and the two names can count more flukes than all the rest in the island together though the worse and the garners and the swains dart better harpoons and set truer lances than any men who come from the weather side of the atlantic 
catherine listened to this digression in honour of the whalers of nantucket with marked complacency and when he concluded she repeated slowly coffin this then is long tom ay ay long tom and no sham in the name either returned the coxswain suffering the stern indignation that had lowered around his hard visage to relax into a low laugh as he gazed on her animated features the lord bless your smiling face and bright black eyes young madam you have heard of old long tom then most likely twas something about the blow he strikes at the fish ah i'm old and i'm stiff now young madam but afore i was nineteen i stood at the head of the dance at a ball on the cape and that with a partner almost as handsome as yourself ay and this was after i had three broad flukes logged against my name no said catherine advancing in her eagerness a step or two nigher to the old tar her cheeks blushing while she spoke i had heard of you as an instructor in a seaman's duty as the faithful coxswain nay i may say as the devoted companion and friend of mr richard barnstable but perhaps you come now as the bearer of some message or letter from that gentleman the sound of his commander's name suddenly revived the recollection of coffin and with it all the fierce sternness of his manner returned bending his eyes keenly on the cowering form of dylan he said in those deep harsh tones that seemed peculiar to men who have braved the elements until they appear to have imbibed some of their roughest qualities liar how now what brought old tom coffin into these shoals and narrow channels was it a letter ha but by the lord that maketh the winds to blow and teacheth the lost mariner how to steer over the wide waters you shall sleep this night villain on the planks of the ariel and if it be the will of god that beautiful piece of handicraft is to sink at her moorings like a worthless hulk ye shall still sleep in her ay and a sleep that shall not end till they call all hands to foot up the day's work of this life at the close of man's longest voyage the extraordinary vehemence the language the attitude of the old seaman commanding in its energy and the honest indignation that shone in every look of his keen eyes together with the nature of the address and its paralyzing effect on dylan who quailed before it like the stricken deer united to keep the female listeners for many moments silent through amazement during this brief period tom advanced upon his nerveless victim and lashing his arms together behind his back he fastened him by a strong cord to the broad canvas belt that he constantly wore around his own body leaving to himself by this arrangement the free use of his arms and weapons of offence while he secured his captive surely said cecilia recovering her recollection the first of the astonished group mr barnstable has not commissioned you to offer this violence to my uncle's kinsman under the roof of colonel howard miss plowden your friend has strangely forgotten himself in this transaction if this man acts in obedience to his order my friend my cousin howard returned catherine would never commission his coxswain or any one to do an unworthy deed speak honest sailor why do you commit this outrage on the worthy mr dillon colonel howard's kinsman and a cupboard cousin of st ruth's abbey nay catherine nay cecilia be patient and let the stranger have utterance he may solve the difficulty altogether the coxswain understanding that an explanation was expected from his lips addressed himself to the task with an energy suitable both to the subject and to his own feelings in a very few words though a little obscured by his peculiar diction he made his listeners understand the confidence that barnstable had reposed in dylan and the treachery of the latter they heard him with increased astonishment and cecilia hardly allowed him time to conclude before she exclaimed and did colonel howard could colonel howard listen to this treacherous project ay they spliced it together among them returned tom though one part of this cruise will turn out but badly even burrowcliff cold and hardened as he appears to be by habit would spurn at such dishonour added miss howard 
but mr barnstable at length catherine succeeded in saying when her feelings permitted her utterance said you not that soldiers were in quest of him ay ay young madam the coxswain replied smiling with grim ferocity they are in chase but he has shifted his anchorage and even if they should find him his long spikes would make short work of a dozen red coats the lord of tempests and calms have mercy though on the schooner ah young madam she is as lovely to the eyes of an old seafaring man as any of your kind can be to human nature but why this delay away then honest tom and reveal the treachery to your commander you may not yet be too late why delay a moment the ship tarries for want of a pilot i could carry three fathom over the shoals of nantucket the darkest night that ever shut the windows of heaven but i should be likely to run upon breakers in this navigation as it was i was near getting into company that i should have had to fight my way out of if that be all follow me cried the ardent catherine i will conduct you to a path that leads to the ocean without approaching the sentinels until this moment dylan had entertained a secret expectation of a rescue but when he heard this proposal he felt his blood retreating to his heart from every part of his agitated frame and his last hope seemed wrested from him raising himself from the abject shrinking attitude in which both shame and dread had conspired to keep him as though he had been fettered to the spot he approached cecilia and cried in tones of horror do not do not consent miss howard to abandon me to the fury of this man your uncle your honourable uncle even now applauded and united with me in my enterprise which is no more than a common artifice in war my uncle would unite mr dillon in no project of deliberate treachery like this said cecilia coldly he did i swear by liar interrupted the deep tones of the coxswain dillon shivered with agony and terror while the sounds of this appalling voice sunk into his inmost soul but as the gloom of the night the secret ravines of the cliffs and the turbulence of the ocean flashed across his imagination he again yielded to a dread of the horrors to which he should be exposed in encountering them at the mercy of his powerful enemy and he continued his solicitations hear me once more hear me miss howard i beseech you hear me am i not of your own blood and country will you see me abandoned to the wild merciless malignant fury of this man who will transfix me with that o oh god if you had but seen the sight i beheld in the alacrity hear me miss howard for the love you bear your maker intercede for me mr griffith shall be released liar again interrupted the coxswain what promises he asked cecilia turning her averted face once more at the miserable captive nothing at all that will be fulfilled said catherine follow honest tom and i at least will conduct you in good faith cruel obdurate miss plowden gentle kind miss alice you will not refuse to raise your voice in my favour your heart is not hardened by any imaginary dangers to those you love nay address not me said alice bending her meek eyes to the floor i trust your life is in no danger and i pray that he who has the power will have the mercy to see you unharmed away said tom grasping the collar of the helpless dylan and rather carrying than leading him into the gallery if a sound one quarter as loud as a young porpoise makes when he draws his first breath comes from you villain you shall see the sight of the alacrity over again my harpoon keeps its edge well and the old arm can yet drive it to the seizing this menace effectually silenced even the hard perturbed breathings of the captive who with his conductor followed the light steps of catherine through some of the secret mazes of the building until in a few minutes they issued through a small door into the open air without pausing to deliberate miss plowden led the coxswain through the grounds to a different wicket from the one by which he had entered the paddock and pointing to the path which might be dimly traced along the faded herbage she bade god bless him in a voice that discovered her interest in his safety and vanished from his sight like an aerial being tom needed no incentive to his speed now that his course lay so plainly before him 
but loosening his pistols in his belt and poising his harpoon he crossed the fields at a gait that compelled his companion to exert his utmost powers in the way of walking to equal once or twice dylan ventured to utter a word or two but a stern silence from the coxswain warned him to cease until perceiving that they were approaching the cliffs he made a final effort to obtain his liberty by hurriedly promising a large bribe the coxswain made no reply and the captive was secretly hoping that his scheme was producing its wonted effects when he unexpectedly felt the keen cold edge of the barbed iron of the harpoon pressing against his breast through the opening of his ruffles and even raising the skin liar said tom another word and i'll drive it through your heart from that moment dylan was as silent as the grave they reached the edge of the cliffs without encountering the party that had been sent in quest of barnstable and at a point near where they had landed the old seaman paused an instant on the verge of the precipice and cast his experienced eyes along the wide expanse of water that lay before him the sea was no longer sleeping but already in heavy motion and rolling its surly waves against the base of the rocks on which he stood scattering their white crests high in foam the coxswain after bending his looks along the whole line of the eastern horizon gave utterance to a low and stifled groan and then striking the staff of his harpoon violently against the earth he pursued his way along the very edge of the cliffs muttering certain dreadful denunciations which the conscience of the appalled listener did not fail to apply to himself it appeared to the latter that his angry and excited leader sought the giddy verge of the precipice with a sort of wanton recklessness so daring were the steps that he took along its brow notwithstanding the darkness of the hour and the violence of the blasts that occasionally rushed by them leaving behind a kind of reaction that more than once brought the life of the manacled captive in imminent jeopardy but it would seem the wary coxswain had a motive for this apparently inconsiderate desperation when they when they had made good quite half the distance between the point where barnstable had landed and that where he had appointed to meet his coxswain the sounds of voices were brought indistinctly to their ears in one of the momentary pauses of the rushing winds and caused the coxswain to make a dead stand in his progress he listened intently for a single minute when his resolution appeared to be taken he turned to dylan and spoke though his voice was suppressed and low it was deep and resolute one word and you die over the cliffs you must take a seaman's ladder there is footing on the rocks and crags for your hands over the cliff i bid ye or i'll cast ye into the sea as i would a dead enemy mercy mercy implored dylan i could not do it in the day by this light i shall surely perish over with ye said tom or dylan waited for no more but descended with trembling steps the dangerous precipice that lay before him he was followed by the coxswain with a haste that unavoidably dislodged his captive from the trembling stand he had taken on the shelf of a rock who to his increased horror found himself dangling in the air his body impending over the sullen surf that was tumbling in with violence upon the rocks beneath him an involuntary shriek burst from dylan as he felt his person thrust from the narrow shelf and his cry sounded amidst the tempest like the screechings of the spirit of the storm another such a call and i cut your tow-line villain said the determined seaman when nothing short of eternity will bring you up the sounds of footsteps and voices were now distinctly audible and presently a party of armed men appeared on the edges of the rocks directly above them it was a human voice said one of them and like a man in distress it cannot be the men we are sent in search of returned sergeant drill for no watchword that i ever heard sounded like that cry they say that such cries are often heard in storms along this coast said a voice that was uttered with less of military confidence than the two others and they are thought to come from drowned seamen a feeble laugh arose among the listeners and one or two forced jokes were made at the expense of their superstitious comrade 
but the scene did not fail to produce its effect on even the most sturdy among the unbelievers in the marvellous for after a few more similar remarks the whole party retired from the cliffs at a pace that might have been accelerated by the nature of their discourse the coxswain who had stood all this time firm as the rock which supported him bearing up not only his own weight but the person of dylan also raised his head above the brow of the precipice as they withdrew to reconnoitre and then drawing up the nearly insensible captive and placing him in safety on the bank he followed himself not a moment was wasted in unnecessary explanations but dylan found himself again urged forward with the same velocity as before in a few minutes they gained the desired ravine down which tom plunged with a seaman's nerve dragging his prisoner after him and directly they stood where the waves rose to their feet as they flowed far and foaming across the sands the coxswain stooped so low as to bring the crest of the billows in a line with the horizon when he discovered the dark boat playing in the outer edge of the surf what ho ariel's there shouted tom in a voice that the growing tempest carried to the ears of the retreating soldiers who quickened their footsteps as they listened to sounds which their fears taught them to believe supernatural who hails cried the well-known voice of barnstable once your master now your servant answered the coxswain with a watchword of his own invention tis he returned the lieutenant veer away boys veer away you must wade into the surf tom caught dylan in his arms and throwing him like a cork across his shoulder he dashed into the streak of foam that was bearing the boat on its crest and before his companion had time for remonstrance or entreaty he found himself once more by the side of barnstable who have we here asked the lieutenant this is not griffith haul out and weigh your grapnel said the excited coxswain and then boys if you love the aerial pull while the life and the will is left in you barnstable knew his man and not another question was asked until the boat was without the breakers now skimming the rounded summits of the waves or settling into the hollows of the seas but always cutting the waters asunder as she urged her course with amazing velocity towards the haven where the schooner had been left at anchor then in a few but bitter sentences the coxswain explained to his commander the treachery of dylan and the danger of the schooner the soldiers are slow at a night muster tom concluded and from what i overheard the express will have to make a crooked course to double the head of the bay so that but for this nor'easter we might weather upon them yet but it's a matter that lies altogether in the will of providence pull my hardest pull everything depends on your oars to-night barnstable listened in deep silence to this unexpected narration which sounded in the ears of dylan like his funeral knell at length the suppressed voice of the lieutenant was heard also uttering wretch if i should cast you into the sea as food for the fishes who could blame me but if my schooner goes to the bottom she shall prove your coffin End of chapter twenty three